What up, world? It's your Passwords Point Guard and Trailblaze reporter, Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every day that it drops. We're still three days a week rolling along here in August. But as we get closer to training camp, we back up to five days a week, your only daily Trailblazers podcast. Make it a part of your daily routine and make it your first listen. In today's show, we are talking Didi Luzada. Gone! Not yet forgotten. The Blazers now with just 14 players on the roster. We'll talk about the implications of waiting Didi Luzada, the the machinations of waving Dee Luzada and what's next for the Blazers. We'll also talk about training camp invites. A couple Blazers, a couple players the Blazers have invited training camp that uh, that will be competing for a for not that open roster spot, but a second two way spot. We haven't talked about him yet. It's time to jump up to learn who's going to be in camp when things open up in about a month. Here, let's let's talk Dee Luzada. Earlier this week, the Blazers officially waved. Uh, August 29th, they officially waved on, on, on Tuesday, officially waved Didi Lozada sending home the wing after seven games with the Blazers. 122 glorious minutes, 35 points on 12 shots. Nine of them were three-pointers. Didn't make a lot of two-pointers in his time. Didi Lozada had two years remaining on his contract after this one. Three full guaranteed years waived by the Blazers. The Blazers elected to, according to Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype, after waving Didi Luzada, stretch his contract, which means they will pay, they will have a cap hit over the next seven seasons. Uh, There was, you know, deadline spur actions. If they had waited past August 31st, they would have been able to waive Didi Luzada, but his money would have counted whole, you know, whole hog against the, against the salary cap. He was, he was owed about, you know, just shy of $2 million, 1.88, 1.9 million bucks. This way, they're able to reduce the cap hit that waiving uh, Dita Luzada's contract counts against their salary cap in the future. And you may say, I don't care about their salary cap. I don't care about the numbers. Why would they do this? Well, let's let's get into the sort of why would they do this. The number one motivation for doing this is getting them below the salary, the, the luxury tax line. Uh, the Blazers were about a million and a half dollars into the luxury tax. Uh, if you're in the luxury tax, you pay a tax on every dollar that you are over the tax. And if you have a certain threshold, more than a dollar, et cetera, et cetera. In addition, if you do, if you are a tax team for three out of four seasons, there is a stiffer penalty, a repeater tax, and you pay even more money. So, so not starting the clock on being a tax team has some value, and the Blazers chose to do so. Uh, instead of, you know, $1.88 million against the cap, Dilozada's cap hit now, uh, it was only about $268,000 against the cap over the next seven seasons. That's a long time. To be sure, but it is um, it is less. If they were going to go this route, I think it in some ways makes more sense to go about it now. Uh, we will talk about why now versus later, but let, let's sort of talk about um, wh- what this sets them up to do. This sets them up to have uh, to not first of all not be in the luxury tax. Two, it sets them up to. Uh, just have this roster spot open. Now, they've gone into seasons in the past with this out this roster spot open, right? They, they've done this in the past. Uh, but mostly it's by not signing a 15th guy. This is a different case. This is to, this is specifically going from 15 down to 14. 
this is flexibility, the F word. Like this is this is this is um this is fi- financial is what it is, is the actual F word. They're saving they're saving luxury tax. But I think this is a different version of that because uh it's it is actually allowing them to make decisions in the future that doing this uh that that holding on to DD and saying let's get under the tax later would not have allowed them. More on that in a moment. The other thing you are thinking of is that it's too much dead money on the cap. And I just don't agree with that right now. Uh, in the past, the Blazers have done some stupid things with this uh, with this stretch and wave provision. Uh, they signed Alan Crabb to, or they matched Alan Crabb's $75 million contract. For, then, a year later, they said, whew, I don't think we should be paying Alan Crabb all this money. They traded him to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Andrew Nicholson, and they waived Andrew Nicholson using the stretch provision, the stretch and wave Andrew Nicholson. It, seven years of about three million bucks of dead money. That is that is a problem. Two hundred sixty thousand dollars is not the same problem. It's not the same problem. The cap's going to jump up in two seasons, uh, almost assuredly, like ten percent, if not more. But you know, five. It it could increase. You know, six percent incrementally every season. Two hundred sixty thousand dollars is already not very much against a hundred and thirty-two million dollar salary cap. With the salary cap jumps up to like a hundred and fifty some, it's not going to be a significant hit. I think this is fine. But if you say, "Man, heading into heading into training camp, and what they do is they wave somebody," how am I supposed to get excited? Well, I want to offer you two different reads on this. One, maybe a reason to give the Blazers a little grace here and a reason to be excited. And then I'll tell you what I really think. We'll do that in the second segment. First, let me tell you about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. More lines, more props, more odds than anywhere else. Bet Online's doing it. If you're looking to, if you're looking to get action on sports, they're doing it. Got the WNBA playoffs still rolling along. You got the end of the MLB season. You've got futures bets on the NBA, futures bets on NHL. You've got tennis with the U.S. Open. You've got golf tournaments. You've got combat sports. Whatever it is, you're going to find action there on betonline.net. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's BetOnline where the game starts. Still a pass for point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. So I talked about, I want to give you two reads on the D.D. Lozada thing. We talked about sort of the why they would do this. I want to get, get into the, to the, to the two reads of why. The, the first read is one we've already touched on, but I want to expand on here. It's flexibility. Uh, and the, the Blazers have typically re- taken 14 in the last few years into the, into the regular season. And, and the previous GM, Neil Olshay, would always talk about he, he prefers the flexibility. And that's nonsense. Those are lies. What he preferred was not going into the luxury tax because his boss, the people who own the team, didn't want to go to the luxury tax. I don't know if he can say that publicly, but it was certainly obvious, and he wasn't particularly good at uh, at bending, uh, twisting the narrative in a public setting. It was one of his weaknesses. Um, but but this this move does give the Blazers a little more flexibility. This this I'm willing to be more generous in this, or I'll give you my read on how to be more generous with this. If the goal was to get under the luxury tax line, in my opinion, in my view, it is better to do it now in August and go into the regular season with 14 players than to go into the deadline with 15 guys on the roster, a team that's like, you know, 7th, 6th, 7th in the West, 
and everybody else knows that you are desperate to shed a million and a half bucks and they are holding you over the barrel. You lose all of your leverage. Dita Luzada has had three seasons, or this season and two more after it, fully guaranteed on his contract. Good for Didi. Get the bag, kid. Good for Didi's agent. Get the bag. Um, heck of a contract handed out there by David Griffin in, in New Orleans. But And to be clear, Didi Luzada was just like not, not an NBA player. Um, I'm happy that he's getting the money. I'm always rooting for labor here. But like the Blazers aren't going to miss him. He was not an, very clearly not an NBA player. And the Blazers don't necessarily have need for another developmental part in the roster. They've got some much more enticing developmental pieces on the roster. So so you so waving Didi now, waving this development part you don't need now, gets you below the tax line. No one can come when you are trying to negotiate with trades, no one can say, that's our final offer. We know you need to get under. Call us back when you're ready to take it. You don't lose that negotiation leverage immediately. In addition, even if you don't lose the negotiation leverage, no one's taken Didi Luzada for free. In the past, the Blazers were able to salary dump someone like Noah Vonley in order to get under the tax, right? They were like, here, we're going in the season. We don't want to be a tax team. We got Noah Vonley. If we get rid of his money, we can get out from under it. Noah Vonley was an expiring contract. You can just, you know, much, much easier to trade because a team will take a flyer on a guy from February until April. And if he works out, you, you know, either have his bird rights or restricted free agency or however it would be. With Didi, you don't. You're. It's like a long-term commitment. It's. It's another two seasons after that. After that, February to April rental for for another team. Like, and it wasn't like Luzada was going to play him like play a bunch and like look like an enticing piece. He was literally just going to be an obvious salary dump type of trade for a team that was going to be an obvious salary dump type of team. The Blazers were going to lose their leverage if they held on to him. I. I really do think that this is a this is a fine way to go if that was your goal. And why would it be your goal? Because paying the luxury tax for a team that's not like sniffing the uh, an NBA finals appearance is probably a responsible way to run a really expensive team. Me personally, like sitting in this chair, like it's easy to say this from my basement into my microphone, like billionaires have a ton of money. They should pay the tax like all hell, right? Like, it's just like, they should just run up the tax bill and pay whatever and who cares because it's like more money than you could ever spend, right? That's my, that's my opinion. But like, I can see the sort of economic responsibility. You don't, start, as I mentioned, the repeater tax in the first segment, you don't start the clock on the repeater tax. If you're not going to be a really good team, there's no reason necessarily from like ownership standpoint to be a tax team. And with uh, you know, long-term money committed to Amphrey Simons, long-term money committed to Yusuf Nurkic, a massive uh, contract extension signed with signed by Damian Lillard, uh, the a likely large contract extension coming for Jeremy Grant, potentially large contract extension coming for Nazir Little, or at least multi-year money coming for Nazir Little. This looks like a team that's going to pay the ta- pay the tax in the future or bump up against it in the future. And if you think that they're going to, you know, you think that the young guys are going to pop, Jabari Walker and, and Shaden Sharp's going to, uh, is, you know, it's all going to work out and they're going to get good. You plan on being a tax team when you're good. So not starting the clock is like totally reasonable and, and like fiscally responsible. Again, personally, I do not think NBA teams should be fiscally responsible. But again, my opinion, not my money, but pocketbook peeping it's not it's not necessary right uh that's that's the most generous read it's responsible to do it now it protects an asset because you're gonna have to attach like a second round pick to get to, to Didi Luzada and it keeps your leverage because you weren't going to be able to negotiate you know 
valuable trades if you were if every team in the league knew that you the seventh best team in the, in the western conference desperately wants to get out from under you know i'm projecting the blazer the trade deadline d- desperately wants to get out of the tax that's like if you're trying to trade and upgrade the roster still that leverage exists if you're if you're a tax team desperate to get out of it you're trying to trade uh josh hart and they're like cool yeah final offer we know what you need we know your motivations now the blazers while they'll still be motivated to not get out out of the tax, they're already under it. They can say no. They can walk away. You can just walk away from bad deals. This gives them the opportunity to walk away. And I I, I think that's fine. The less generous read, and this is how I feel, is that it's cheap. <laughs> it's cheap. Uh, I don't think it's wrong. Like I don't and I don't think it's like I don't think it's like egregious to cut De Luzada. I've been pretty clear. I don't think he's an NBA player on previous podcasts, and I've already said it on this one too. Like I don't think it's egregious. But what it suggests is the is the part that's worse. Um, I'm not a big salary cap guy. Like I, I understand the basic machinations of it, but I'm not. I don't um, pretend to be someone who's like a has a legal degree or is a CPA or whatever. Like that's um, I, I can figure it out, and I know who to call. I have friends who can help me figure it out. But like I didn't think they were going to waive De Luzada because of the guaranteed money in the future on his contract. In fact, if you've listened closely to podcasts throughout the summer, I talked about that with Sean Hyken specifically, and I said, are they really going to do that? Because they're still going to be, a, you know, would they would they pay, pay De Luzada to go away? Well, this is, luckily, the people running the place are smarter than me. This is a creative way to get another tax and pay De Luzada to get away, De Luzada to go away. This like accomplishes multiple goals, right? It opens that roster spot for future flexibility to take on someone. But what this suggests to me is that they're not going to take on someone. It suggests to me that they know that this team is just okay. And quite frankly, Joe Cronin has said as much, we're not good enough, we have to get better. But the timeline for have to get better might be sometime further in the future based on this move because it's hard to be good and not be a tax team and it's hard to be what the blazers are and not maximize your roster spots like they need talent right they don't they don't going with 14 just reduces the amount of talent you have so you say when you initially wave dd like oh maybe they'll maybe my gut instinct i see the news i see the tweet from adrian wojanowski and i say um i didn't give Woj credit for that Woj reported by Woj that they waved dd um and the math reported by uh espn's bobby marks and as i said earlier the the stretch provision reported by michael scott of hoops hype give credit where it's due uh like you the my initial thought is like oh they're, they're probably going to sign someone right and they'll just sign another big and it's like oh well, they're, they're getting on a luxury tax i don't think they're going to sign someone and i don't think they're going to sign someone in training camp i don't think they're going to add someone in the future i think this is what they're going to do is they're going to be a team that stays below the tax and if you stay below the tax you're just not going to be that competitive it's not like always that way to be certain i don't mean to like draw a, a, just like a really stark line there but the teams who are really good spend money and the Blazers probably know that they're not going to be really good. So they're hedging where they spend some money. They can opening a 14th roster spot allows them to take on players in the future. They could do a two for one trade and, and fill out the 15th roster spot if it, if it met their financial goals. Right. But like my read on this is that this is them saying, cool. Our number one thing we want to do is not be a luxury tax paying team. We've accomplished that goal. Can we accomplish our other goals within the parameters? I don't like, I get it from a financial standpoint and I get it from a leverage standpoint, like as, as I laid out earlier here, but like, I don't think it, well, it doesn't necessarily read as a negative. It's hard to read it as a positive moving forward. 
If they add someone, it'll be a positive, but they're, you know, right up against that tax line. They probably won't do that. So they're, this is probably it. This is probably the group they have. It's 14 and one two-way spot with, filled by Brandon Williams and then two, and then one open two-way spot. That's what training camp will be about. It won't be about earning the 15th roster spot, filling out the 15th roster or 15th roster spot, adding another NBA vet, adding all of those things. It'll be about adding one, their final two-way spot. Let's talk about who could earn those final two-way spots in the third segment. Join me, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. So, Blazers roster set. They're not going to be a tax team. Uh, they've kind of shown us, believe it, believe it when they show you. They've shown us that they don't want to be, well, I don't think it's egregious. It's set them up in a position to kind of have the roster set. So the last thing that isn't set is the last two-way spot. The first two-way spot is, is Brandon Williams. Uh, signed last year to a uh, 10-day contract and then came back and they signed him to a two-way deal. Um, looks like a functional emergency third point guard. So now with this third two-way spot, there's three guys that have reportedly brought into training camp. Uh, Isaiah Miller, a six-foot point guard out of UNCG, as reported by Chris Haynes. Uh, Jared Roden, a 6'6 wing out of Seton Hall, as reported by Shams Trani of, of The Athletic. And Norvell Pell, a 6'10 center with some NBA experience, as reported by Adrian Wojnarowski. I'm giving credit where it's due. So I'm citing my sources here. Uh, these three gentlemen signed to you know non-guaranteed deals, uh, which the Blazers will almost certainly take one of these three to be the last two-way spot. Isaiah Miller seems like a the long is the long shots. Does this team need another six-foot point guard? My goodness, no, they do not. Training camp body, another you know guy who can help. Just also like if you like a guy, getting him in your gym and seeing him and let him play for you and go into training camp and go through all that stuff. That's helpful. He'll know the coaching staff. He'll know the system. He'll know the build. Like it's all those things. If down the line you need a you need an emergency point guard, you have a relationship with with uh, Isaiah Miller. Like cool, good stuff. Uh, but he seems like a super long shot to make the roster. Uh, Jared Roden, like. I'm not going to pretend like I've scouted these dudes and watched them play. I've read their basic box score numbers like that. That's as close as I get. But from what I understand, reading about Jared Roden, tore it up in the G League or in the, or excuse me, in Summer League, uh, played in the California Classic with, with the four California teams and then played in Vegas and was like straight up good, straight up very good. Uh, he, he has no NBA experience, four years at Seton Hall, and he's coming out now coming out of the draft um, or coming out of, of college. You know, I think there is a world in which the Blazers add another 6'6 wing because it's like kind of, you know, you need more wings. You need a bigger wing. If Roden was 6'8", probably wouldn't have gone undrafted. Like he'd be a different, just a different player. He wouldn't be like a two guard, two slash three, but like mostly a two. He would be like a big wing that people would covet and he'd probably already be in the NBA. So like I can see a world where he makes the roster, although I think it's really unlikely. I think this is Norvell Pell's job to lose. And Pell is someone who I'm familiar with. Now, doing research for the show, I learned that he didn't just play for the 76ers. I only have seen Norvell Pell. I guess I knew he played for the, the Nets, but never saw him play a game. I knew he signed with the Nets, but never saw him play a game. I, I, I remember him in a Sixers uniform. Um, big hair and a beard. I, I remember him. Uh, he's, he's like a, six, a 6'10 center. He's 29 years old, but he's still uh, two-way eligible by virtue of not have, of having less than four years of experience in the league. He's played 40 games in the NBA for the Sixers. 
I knew it. The Nets, I knew that happened. The Kings, no idea. The Knicks, no idea. And the Utah Jazz, how about it? He's played for five NBA teams, 40, 40 games. Uh, the counting stats aren't worth knowing. Like, he's an emergency center, emergency backup big. And that's exactly who they should sign with the last two-way spot, right? Like, right now, the only guys above six foot nine on the roster are Nurk and Yusuf Nurkic and uh, Drew Eubanks. Blanking on Drew Eubanks' name here, even though it's written in my notes. Uh, Drew U- Nurk and Drew Eubanks. Like, they need another center. Just for just for responsibility reasons. Uh, two-way spots don't count against their salary cap. You know, guys still get paid, but it doesn't count against salary cap. No tax implications. So this is just... This makes sense for them to do. Pell seems like the guy. Um, conceivably it could be Roden, but Pell seems like the guy. He's like, he has some NBA experience doing exactly what he's going to, would be asked to do here. Emergency backup center minutes. Uh, like it's, yeah, uh, I think he's from, from my vantage point here with no like reporting, I haven't like asked around or whatever, sent emails and texts, but like, yeah, I would assume he is, um, I, certainly has the inside track just for logic reasons to make the team. Uh, Pell's going to be, seems like he'll be the guy. So that seems like the roster will be set. The 14 players, 14 NBA guys, and then two two-way spots to Brandon Williams and probably Norvell Pell. That's a team that can be competitive, fun, and interesting. Uh, this is not a championship quality roster, but it is a team that is lucky for the Allen State out of the luxury tax and like has a bunch of intriguing young parts that could get better. Like, watchable as hell um I'll, uh, certainly you know it probably has a really realistic ceiling as a mid-tier playoff seed but um a fun mid-tier playoff seed to be sure and if you are missing watching this mid-tier playoff seed what if i told you that yusuf nurkic is going to play a whole bunch of basketball this weekend if you're missing basketball in general watch the WNBA playoffs they've been really fun uh but if you are missing watching a trailblazer play basketball Yusuf Nurkic can play basketball this weekend. Uh, as this show comes out, that you are listening to uh, Thursday, September 1st show. I cannot believe it's September. Wow. Uh, but if you, um, by the time you're listening to this, most likely, Yusuf Nurkic has already played a basketball game on Thursday morning. I'm recording this late on Wednesday evening. On Thursday morning, uh, Bosnia plays the first of its Group B games against Hungary at 5.30 a.m. They play again Saturday against Germany, Sunday against Slovenia, Tuesday against France, and Wednesday against Lithuania to round out those games. Four of those games, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, are all at 5.30 a.m. Pacific time. If you live in another part of the world, it might be watchable. If you live in the East Coast, very watchable, 8.30 in the morning. Um, great. You could watch Nurk play basketball. All of these games streaming on ESPN. But the Sunday's game is 8.45 Pacific time. It's like middle of the day for your East, East Coasters. And if you live internationally, I can't. The dateline confuses me. If you're an Australian listener, I don't know when this game is. I don't even know what day it is. But it's it's you can find it, I promise you. All of these games, at least in, the, in North America, are... Um, being streamed, at least in the United States, I should be clear, I have no idea what the deal is in Canada, at least in the United States, streaming on ESPN+. Plus. So, uh, I'm not going to watch the game against Hungary, I'll probably watch the highlights when they're available, probably not getting up at 5.30 to watch the game against Germany, but I, I'm, I'm just straight up going to watch 8.45am Sunday morning, I'm going to watch him play Slovenia, that's Luka Doncic, that's Goran Dragic, that's Slovenia, Slovenia, Bosnia will be on my TV. Check, check my living room. We will be there watching it. It'll be fun. Like if you're fiending to watch uh, the Blazers, a Blazer play basketball during this time of year, it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, I don't know if this is out there, uh, but um, so if it has been reported, I'm not giving someone else credit. 
Apologies, but Nurk told a Bosnian newspaper uh, or a Bosnian media outlet, rather, it's a website where I, where I read it uh, earlier this earlier this uh, month in August that uh, that Chauncey Billups and a couple other Blazers were going to come to Eurobasket, and their their group is is playing in Germany, coming to to Germany, coming to Cologne, Germany to uh, watch him play. So. That that's fun. Chauncey will be there. Um, I don't know who else, but I know Chauncey was in uh, Egypt with basketball w- without borders, so he'll get to continue his world tour and head over to Germany and, and check out Nurk. I think that's really I think that's a cool gesture to go to go check out Jer- Nurk playing for his country. The other like the compelling thing to watch is Group B is by far the most talented group um, in 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 Eurobasket. Uh, it's twenty four teams divided up into dividing up into uh, six team uh, four six team groups and. France could win this thing. Slovenia has won this thing. Lithuania has Demonte Sabonis. Like, they could win this thing. I mean, conceivably. At least they could get out of the group, no prob. Or compete to get out of the group. Uh, it is, like, Bosnia was, is not, like, a powerhouse by any means. But they beat France in, in a warm-up game or in a qualifier, unrelated qualifier leading up to this. Like, they're they're competitive or could be, con- certainly conceivably could be competitive. But, like... This is by far the most competitive group. They got a terrible draw. So bummer for for Nurk's you know, hopes of, of pushing forward unless he springs an upset. How fun would that be? But the real pitch to watch these games uh, is one, like you get to watch basketball at 5.30 in the morning if you live in Portland. Or like you just get Nurk to see see Nurk as the focal point of an offense. See Nurk as the the man on a team. And I think Nurk in sort of that lead, lead role, number one option role is, is intriguing because you kind of see what like expanded game Nurk would be. Also, uh, you know, I've watched a handful of like portions of these games. I'm not a big, I'm not getting up at 5.30 a.m. But when they've been on or when I, I've watched the, the last little bit of, of France and Bosnia, uh, the European game just flows better than the NBA. There's so many less stoppages. Uh, so it's like a better television product. So I recommend if you do have ESPN Plus, if you do have that subscription uh, streaming service, you can you can check it out. Uh, if you are like, a, if you subscribe to like the Disney family of products, chances are that like with Hulu and Disney Plus, chances are you also have ESPN Plus. So check it out if you want to watch NERC. First game Thursday at 5 a.m., Saturday at 5 a.m., and then Sunday at 8.45. All of those are P- Portland time that's today's show. Uh, Dita Luzada, thanks for the memories. I'll always remember the eight, the seven games you played for the Trailblazers, including one start. Uh, I won't. <laughs> I'll be honest, I won't. I, I don't think I'll remember them. But uh, we're going to have another show tomorrow. Come back for that one. Tell your friends about this show. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, I, I, I never do this, but I'll do it now. Subscribe to the show uh, on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe. To, I'm not good at this. You can tell I don't do it very often. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you are a podcast listener. If you're a YouTube watcher, go subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast service. It's available wherever you get podcasts. I appreciate you listening. Come back for tomorrow's show. I'll talk to you soon.